The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.
Good morning, everybody. I am Vanessa Southern. I'm the senior minister of this congregation, First U Society of San Francisco. I am joined on the chancel this morning by the illustrious Matt Meyer. If you have been to general assemblies or any other kind of UU conferences, there's a good chance that Matt has been brought in as the uh, ringer, you know, to lead worship and bring us together. He's an incredibly gifted human on lots of levels. He is the director of operations of Sanctuary Church in Boston, which is this UU contemporary worship. How long ago did Sanctuary start? Like 10 years ago. 10 years, yeah. I mean, and, and it's, um, He's the director of operations. They now have five staff people. They meet Wednesday nights doing um, innovative worship. And I think they are the unicorn, one of the unicorns of the pandemic in that they doubled their size during pandemic. So phenomenal, phenomenal community building and worship leading. And Matt was coming west for personal and professional business and reached out and we snapped him up. So he is leading us in worship today and led the choir in a workshop. How many people were from the choir were here yeah, on Thursday night? So phenomenal um, feedback about that. So it's wonderful to have you here, Matt. We are also um, blessed this morning with Mark Sumner, who is helping, and our choir who are pitching in, and Elliot Etzcorn, who is on piano, who's also going to be assisting Matt in leading worship. Um, Jonathan Silk is holding down the AV squad solo, so um, we'll pray for him today. And um, Amy Kelly did these extraordinary fall flowers, and we are grateful for those. And Thomas Brown and Matias Pineda have readied the building. We had a huge bar mitzvah here yesterday, so there's been a lot of um, use of our building for good and joyful reasons. And you can see evidence of the bar mitzvah, I think, in balloons that are still floating around. Um, and Linda Messner, our head usher. So, and all of you who are here making today's worship possible. If you're on live stream or if you're here, we hope you have an order of service. If you don't have one, they're in the back or there's links to them on the live stream chat or um, a video email that might be sent to you. If you have any questions and you're online, you can ask the person on chat or other people who are gathered there can help you out. I just want to say that everyone is welcome to wear masks and there is a mask only section for those folks who want to sit in a mask only section for your own personal safety and comfort. We want you to do what is what you need to do to keep yourself um, healthy and content to be here and worship together. And in advance, heads up that our offering this morning will go to support the International Committee of the Red Cross that has, uh, is doing work, if I don't know if you saw in the papers, one of the few organizations that seem to be getting aid into Gaza and are ready at the borders with more and have a lot of experience of entering places of armed conflict and disaster. So we're happy to support their work especially, but also the, um, Red Cross, the American Red Cross was started by American Universalist Clara Barton. So we share a great joy in the legacy of that organization. She started it during the Civil War. It's an amazing story about her life. The first church I served, there was still one person alive who had been in Clara Barton's Sunday school class in Washington, D.C. And it's an organization that has at its root story 
not letting suffering, in that case, also battlefields go unanswered, and crossing across cultural boundaries and limits, then of sexism, but now of historic enmity and religious differences, to find a way to bring humanitarian aid. So thank you in advance for your generosity. I want to give you a heads up. Matt is speaking today on the theme of lessons for our future ancestors. And so we open with this quote from Adrienne Marie Brown, who writes, let us measure success by how many of us can say, I am living a life I don't regret, a life that will resonate with my ancestors. So in that spirit, we enter worship together. And I invite Sam King to light our chalice. Now we call into this space all of us who are part of this community, near or far, wherever this hour finds you, you are with us too. For those of you at home, please feel free to light your own candle or chalice if you have one. And now will you say with me the words of our chalice lighting that are printed in your order of service. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. Christian tradition, the sharing of the good news of the gospel is marked by a very special word, the word Alleluia. I believe that when we gather in our own Unitarian Universalist tradition, we also have some good news to bring. Is that true? Yeah? All right, so we're going to begin with a song of Alleluia this morning. Your part goes like this. Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Can we try that? Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. One more time. Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. Beautiful. Some of us arrive here looking back on our week to find that we've just been going through the motions. Now is our time to finally be present with ourselves and our intentions for who we want to be. Since we last gathered a week ago, some of us have stumbled across blessings, large and small, blessings that maybe we didn't earn but have filled up our hearts nonetheless. May we gather in a spirit of gratitude. Some of us, since we last gathered, are thinking of loved ones who can't be with us. 
Perhaps we're struggling with illness or with loss. Let us gather for a time to breathe deeply and find a stillness that may have eluded us all week long. Come on, come in, enter in peace. Come on, come in, enter in grace. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. One more time. Alleluia. Since we last gathered, some of us have questioned our faith, whether in God or in each other or in ourselves. We come this morning seeking a renewal of trust and of conviction. Let's gather in the hopes that a gentle melody or the right words might lessen some of the, some of the weights we've been carrying on our hearts for too long. Let's gather in the hopes of finding new ways around old blockades. Let us gather to worship in love and in service. Spirit of the rocks and the wind, Spirit of the earth, gentle me, Holy One, into your arms. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. rise in body or spirit. Alleluia. 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 Alle A little bit louder, like you mean it this time. Alleluia. 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 Here we go. time. Alleluia. 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 You sound good. Let's take a deep breath. You may be seated as you exhale. Good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Diane Allen, and I'm a member of the Board of Trustees of this church, also a member of the Bell Choir. And even though those activities are very different, I really enjoy being on both. If you have any questions about related to the Board or the Bell Choir, uh, please seek me out, and I'd be happy to answer them. And if I don't know them myself readily, i help you find the answer. If this is your first time um, joining us or watching live stream, thank you. And if you would like to receive a copy of our weekly newsletter, uh, which includes a link to the order of service and to the Sunday live stream, you can fill out one of our um, yellow connection forms. These will be outside in the welcome table, outside the sanctuary, also maybe in the pew in front of you. 
um, and are also available on the link that you'll see in the order of service. Also, if you are new and would like a tour of the building, John Burens has offered to meet you after the service in the front of the sanctuary, and he'd be happy to do that today. Before I get into the announcements, I'd like to invite Vanessa to come up for a, a special uh, acknowledgement. Thank you. Yes, uh, last week we had the auction. The auction that we thought maybe only would have 20 people in mid-September, but had over 200 and I don't know. We're going to hear exact numbers in a moment. So I just want to, and Cheryl and Gino are going to come forward and tell us exactly actually what, what we produced out of that event, other than the incredible joy that was part of it. But I want to, before they come up, thank Cheryl and Gregory Stevens and Gino and Julia Wald and Lori Lai, who pulled together a team of people who pulled together a feast for what was an extraordinary day under any circumstances. Do you two want to come up and tell us exactly what we need to know that happened behind the scenes? <laughs> Aloha, ahano, hello community. I think that went really well, don't you? I'm very proud of our church. We had over 50 volunteers involved in this. If you were a volunteer, would you stand up? Come on, don't be shy. If you came, stay up. If you came to this auction, would you stand up too? If you just came, yeah. And if you want to come next year, would you stand up? <laughs> hey! This was just an amazing event, flowed well, and now I'm going to leave you to Gino, who will go through the numbers. Thanks, Cheryl. What, what makes the office, uh, the office, what makes the auction interesting, of course, is your participation. And I would like to thank everybody who participated in, in the auction this year. Uh, we sold 199 tickets, 138 of you checked in, and we grossed a little over $57,000. Uh, uh, over a little over 27,000 of that was for the funded need. And you know, those are really impressive uh, numbers uh, that go back to the pre-pandemic amounts that we were generating in auction. So once again, I want to thank everyone who participated, whether you were a donor, whether you were a bidder, whether you contributed in, in some other way. Uh, it was really, really an amazing experience, and we'll look forward to it again next year. One quick thing, the Maui Strong. Do you want to let people know how much went to Maui Strong? Oh, so, five, so there was $5 for every ticket that went to Maui Strong, right? Yeah. And so, uh, so, you know, 199 times five is just under $1,000. So that's wonderful. Thank you very much for that. That is fabulous. <laughs> 
So the order of service lists upcoming events and links and opportunities to connect with others here. So there are many activities, so please do read it and engage in many, uh, in many of them that are of interest to you. I want to call your attention to just a few of them. Uh, first, uh, next Sunday will be our annual Samhain Dia de los Muertos All Souls Service, when we will recognize those we have lost in the last year. Please bring a photo or memento if you have one, um, although there will always uh, be ways to honor folks even if you do not. Also, it is a tradition uh, to please consider bringing a favorite food of your loved one to put on the uh, altar. We will then share uh, those at social hour after the service. Um, also, as a reminder, um, there the, our community's children will be trick-or-treating for UNICEF. So please remember to bring change. Next Sunday, October 29th, right after the service, we are going to have the Get Involved Fair. This is one good way to discover the great activities here that you can participate in. And while the fair is particularly good for those of you who are new to find out what's going on, it's also good for those of you who are longtime members to see maybe what's new or something else you'd like to become involved in. A light lunch will be provided with just a small donation uh, asked to cover the costs. Um, and one final announcement for today after service, you're invited to join for a screening of the film Culture Versus War in the TSK room at 12.30 today. The film features interviews with artists uh, ranging from poets, poets to uh, pop musicians in the Ukraine and their responses to the current war. If you didn't bring any food to share, there will be Ukrainian coleslaw and bread and sunflower butter available to share and uh, chocolate for, for sale to benefit the work of the uh, Ukrainian partners and, who, and their work with the Ukrainian refugees. And now let's take a moment to greet one another. And if you are on live stream, please take a moment to introduce yourself in the chat.
All right. Let's come back together. invite you to continue these conversations after service. I love seeing a community so excited to connect with each other. Well, today's worship is about that new understanding of success that Adrienne Marie Brown offers us. Let us measure success, she says, by how many of us can say I'm living a life I don't regret. She said, goes on to say, that I'm also attending to the crises of my time, and that I am rooted in communities doing our best to honor our ancestors and future generations to come. And she goes on to say, how can we, the future ancestors, align ourselves with the most resilient practices of our species? I love that question that asks of us, the future ancestors, how we're going to live our lives. And I think part of that definition means that we look around at the world we find and don't necessarily accept that thing, the way things are or the way things have to be. And to me, that's part of this new understanding of success. And with that in mind, I have just the story for you. Now, Desmond the mouse lived in the most beautiful meadow in all the land. Every morning, Desmond would wake with the sunrise and spend the whole day long playing in that meadow. And every night, he would go to sleep right in the middle of that meadow under the beautiful starry sky above. One night, though, Desmond awoke to find that it was still dark out. So he tried to roll over and get more comfortable and go back to sleep, but something wasn't right. He could hardly move, and his tail Oh, his tail was throbbing with pain. Reaching behind him, he felt that there was some sort of, well, well, it felt like some sort of huge boulder had somehow fallen just on his tail in the middle of the meadow. So he tried pushing with all of his strength to push this giant boulder away. And when that didn't work, he tried tugging on his tail, tugging to get loose with all of his might. And he tried pushing and tugging and tugging and pushing over and over again until eventually he was out of breath and had just about given up. But just then, he saw an animal pass by through the meadow. It was a tall giraffe. And so he called out, Oh, giraffe, it seems that some sort of boulder has fallen just on my tail in the middle of the meadow. If you could use your powerful legs to nudge it, well, even just a few inches in the other direction, I could get free. Well, the giraffe laughed at Desmond the way giraffes do. <laughs> you silly mouse, he said. That's no boulder that's fallen on your tail in the middle of the meadow. That is an elephant that's fallen asleep on your tail in the middle of the meadow. Well, good news, thought Desmond. I mean, in that case, if you could just gently wake the elephant and ask him to roll over even just a few inches in the other direction, I could get free. I don't know about that, said the giraffe. I mean, surely you must know what they say about letting sleeping elephants lie. <laughs> I, I find it's best not to get involved in other animals' business. I find it's best to remain neutral in times like these. Well, Desmond sighed, I do not appreciate your neutrality. 
The giraffe wandered away, and Desmond tried shouting as loud as he could to wake the giant elephant. But those giant elephant ears at the way other end of that giant elephant body, they were just too far away. And Desmond's little mouse voice, it was just too quiet. So when that didn't work, he tried pushing again with all of his strength. And then he tried tugging with all of his might. And he tried shouting and pushing and tugging and tugging and pushing and shouting over and over and over again. So he had just about given up when he saw another animal pass by through the meadow. This time it was a gazelle. And so he called out, Oh gazelle, it seems that an elephant has fallen asleep just on my tail in the middle of the meadow. If you could just gently wake him up and ask him to roll over even just a few inches in the other direction, I could get free. I don't know about that, said the gazelle. I mean, surely you know what they say about letting sleeping elephants lie. I find it's best not to get involved in other animals' business. I find it's best to remain neutral in times like these. The gazelle wandered off, and Desmond said, almost to himself this time, I do not appreciate your neutrality. One last time, Desmond tried shouting with all of his little mouse voice, and he tried pushing with all of his mouse strength and tugging with all of his little mouse might, and he tried shouting and pushing and tugging and tugging and pushing and shouting over and over again till he had just about given up for the last time when he saw another animal pass by through the grass. This time it was another mouse, and when he called out, that mouse ran right over and introduced himself. He said, my name is Nelson. What seems to be the problem? Well, no sooner had Desmond explained the situation than Nelson ran all the way to the other end of that giant elephant body, and he shouted up to those giant elephant ears at the top of that giant elephant head. He said, excuse me. It seems you've fallen asleep on my friend's tail in the middle of the meadow. If you could roll over just a few inches in the other direction, he could go free. Well, the elephant heard Nelson's little mouse voice way down on the ground. But those big elephant ears at the other side of that big elephant head, they were just too far away. And his little mouse voice, it was just a bit too quiet. And you know, between you and me, I think that elephant was just a bit too comfortable. He didn't budge. So Nelson thought for a moment before he ran back to Desmond and he said, you know, I think I might have an idea. Stay right here. Don't move. <laughs> and he ran off, leaving a confused look on Desmond's face. And just when Desmond was starting to get worried again, he saw Nelson emerge back through the grass. But this time he wasn't alone. He had found three other mouse friends. And each of them, they had each done their job. They had each found another three mouse friends. And the whole group of them ran all the way to the other end of that giant elephant body. And one mouse climbed up on the shoulders of another. And another mouse climbed up on her shoulders. And one by one, they made a whole mouse ladder all the way up the back of that giant elephant head until at last Nelson climbed up the shoulders of his friends one by one carefully till he stood right at the opening of that giant elephant ear. And he shouted with all of his voice, excuse me, it seems you've fallen asleep on my friend's tail in the middle of the meadow. Roll over just a few inches so he can go free. Well, this time, this time his voice was just too loud and just too close to ignore. And so the elephant said, but then he rolled over just a few inches in the other direction. 
Nelson and his friends climbed back down to the ground carefully, and they met up with Desmond, and the whole group of them spent the rest of that day playing and celebrating together in the meadow. Now, Archbishop Desmond Tutu said that if you are neutral in situations of injustice, you've already taken sides. You've taken sides with the powerful and with the oppressor. And he said that if an elephant is standing on the tail of a mouse, the mouse will never appreciate your neutrality. Archbishop Tutu believed in a God who he said took sides, a God who took sides with the orphan and the widow and the oppressed everywhere. And as Unitarian Universalists, we may or may not share a belief in that same God, but we have covenanted to build a world of justice and equity and compassion. And that means imagining a world very different painfully different from the one we see around us today. So it means that we come together in communities and congregations like this one to do together what we couldn't do alone and to take sides for justice, to take sides for equity and compassion. And it means that we come together in community to side with love. May it be so, and may we make it so. Amen. Let the life I lead speak for me. Let the life I lead speak for me. When I come to the end of the road and I lay down my heavy load, let the life I lead speak for me. Would you join me? Let the life. Let the life I lead speak for me. Let the life I lead speak for me. When I come to the end of the road, when I come to the end of the road, and I lay down my heavy load, let the life, let the life I lead speak for me. Let the let the friends I speak for me. Let the friends I have speak for me. When I come, when I come to the end of the road, and I lay down my heavy load, let the life I have speak for me. Let the work I do let the work I do speak for me. Let the work I do speak for me. When I come to the end of the road and I lay down my heavy load, let the work I do speak for me. Let the friend, uh, let the love I share. Let the love I share speak for me. Can we do it in like five-part harmony? Let the love, let the love I share speak for me. When I come, when I come to the end of the road and I lay down my heavy load, let the love I share speak for me.
Let the songs I sing, let the songs I sing speak for me. Let the songs I sing speak for me. When I come to the end of the road and I lay down my heavy load, let the songs I sing speak for me. And let the life I lead, let the life I lead speak for me. Let the life I lead speak for me. When I come to the end of the road and I lay down my heavy load, let the life I lead speak for me. There are many promises of the heart stated regularly, stated in our hearts. Among them are the ones we say together on Sunday morning that are part of our unison covenant that I invite us to say together as we do each week in worship. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in freedom, and to help one another. I invite you to rise as we sing our doxology in body, spirit. Our reading this morning by Brad Aaron Modlin, what you missed the day you were absent from fourth grade. Mrs. Nelson explained how to stand still and listen to the wind, how to find meaning in pumping gas, how peeling potatoes can be a form of prayer. She took questions on how to not feel lost in the dark. And after lunch, she distributed worksheets that covered ways to remember your grandfather's voice. 
Then the class discussed, falling asleep without feeling you had forgotten something else, something important, and how to believe that the house you wake in is your home. This prompted Mrs. Nelson to draw a chalkboard diagram detailing how to chant the Psalms during cigarette breaks and how not to squirm for sound when your own thoughts are all you hear. Also, that you have enough. The English lesson was that I am is a complete sentence. And just before the afternoon bell, she made the math equation look easy. The one that proves that hundreds of questions and feeling cold and all those nights spent looking for whatever it was you lost and one person add up to something. Here ends our reading. And now our offering, which will go to support the relief efforts of the International Committee of the Red Cross, will be given and very gratefully received. Oh, is there music and prayer next? Oh, so don't take the offering. There's music and prayer. Hang on to your money for just a minute. <laughs> Mrs. Nelson taught us even if you were absent that day, that even when we have hundreds of questions about how to go about our days, it still adds up to something. I think Adrienne Marie Brown would agree that, that perfection is not necessarily the path to success. And the, the words of Leonard Cohen remind us of that and echo that sentiment. The song is almost all call and response, except for the very end. Repeat after me. Forget your perfect offering, forget your perfect offering. Just ring the bells that still can ring, just ring the bells that still can. There is a crack in everything, there is a crack in. Now it goes a little faster. That's how, that's how the light gets in, that's how the light gets in. We do that last line together. Let's do that whole tricky part together. That's how, that's how the light, the light gets in. That's how the light gets in. Forget your perfect offering. Forget perfect offering. Just ring the bells that still can ring. Just ring the bell that still can. There is a crack in everything. There is a crack. Here we go. That's how the light gets in that's how the light gets in forget your perfect offering forget your perfect offering just ring the bells that still can ring just ring the bell that still there is a crack in everything there is a crack in everything that's how the light gets in that's how the light gets in that's how the light gets in, that's how the light gets in. Amen. I invite us into a time of prayer, spoken and some silence.
God we know by so many names and that which is beyond naming. Spirit of life that pulls us forward into the future generation to generation urged to life against the odds, defying despair, materializing hope in our determination to step out one more day into this world, birth one more child, risk on perhaps, on someday, on yes. It has been hard to hope this week when the voices of our ancestors are saying, we said never again, but here you are. In old fights, destroying old lives, new lives, tearing down what others worked so hard to build up. And peace tenuously forged, ropes thrown across gorges of distrust, all of it cut down or torn down in a storm of violence and vengeance. It has been hard to hope when the water gets brackish and scarce and words from the hostages are few and International calls for the bombing to be stopped are vetoed by us. And everyone digs in their heels into the other's back. Maybe if the old walls of those cities could speak or the ancestors could be heard if they could break through the noise, they'd say, besides, what are you doing again? They'd say, we have seen life teetering on the edge before and it can teeter back from that place, though it is scary when it hangs at the edge in anger and despair. And maybe if the walls could talk, the walls would say, and the ancestors would, if they could be heard over the roar of planes and the wailing of broken hearts, they'd say, this way never yields results. You know that in your heart, every time you start down this road, every time we do, though it hurts to turn back, turn back, we must to face the one who broke your heart, who destroyed who and what you loved, who tore down your life as you tore down theirs. And to, to lean down into the rubble and to remake a world side by side. That's how it goes. Each generation learning the hard way, though we wish it were not so.
So God of so many names by which we know and name you and that which has no name at all. May we teeter back from the edge. May we be wise and humbled. May we kneel in the rubble of our broken lives and hearts and like it or not, reconstitute the world side by side, start there. And someday in the future, Spirit of life, when our grandchildren's grandchildren have married each other, as they always eventually do, and the two worlds are one, seared, seared our lessons of connection into one another's bodies and the life that draws us forward into larger life. Someday, Someday we, we remember when we were called back from the abyss of hate to face each other and rebuild, and the winds of heaven danced between us, and remember it as the beginning of the hope that endured. I invite us into a moment of shared silence to hold all we ourselves are holding this hour, this week, and offered up to be held together. Amen. Our offering now will be given and gratefully received. Traemos la fuerza, la libertad es la única bandera. Oye, mi gente, traemos la fuerza. Listen, my people, we bring the power. La libertad es la única bandera. Liberty is the only flag. Oye, mi gente, traemos la fuerza. La libertad es la única bandera. Listen, my people, my condor, my eagle. No human being can ever be illegal. 
oye mi gente traemos la fuerza la libertad es la única bandera listen my people my condor my eagle no human being can ever be illegal Oye, mi gente, traemos la fuerza, la libertad es la única bandera. Oye, mi gente, traemos la fuerza, la libertad es la única bandera. Listen, my people, my condor, my ego, no human being can ever be illegal. Listen, my people, my condor, my ego, no human being can ever be illegal. No human being can ever be illegal. No human being can ever be illegal. I grew up just outside of the city of Chicago, and I moved to Boston in the year 2000. I still live there. And I moved to Boston to attend music college and get a degree in hand drumming, of all things. Anyone else here that has a hand drumming degree? Anyone? Okay, just me. I was following this dream that I had at the time of being a touring musician. I wanted to play with some famous band traveling the world in a different city every night of the week, playing to crowds of thousands. I remember particularly the, the feeling of my last semester of school as I was looking ahead to graduation and trying to imagine the possibilities for a musician's life ahead of me. And it was in that last semester that one morning I happened to stumble into a classroom where two of my teachers were having a conversation together. One of them was talking about his schedule. He had just come back from a two-week concert tour of Morocco playing with some incredible Middle Eastern band. And he was just that afternoon heading off on a four-week tour of Europe with a group called Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, you've heard of them? Yeah, me too. I remember that he pointed to this, his suitcase, which was sitting open in the corner of the classroom. And I remember looking at that suitcase and maybe for the first time in my life being jealous of the luggage that had got to go on this trip with him. This guy was living the dream. And I remember I kind of well, I kind of interrupted their conversation to say, are you so excited, so freaking excited that you can't even stand it? And I said it just like that, with no chill. And I remember that he kind of looked at the floor before looking back at me, and he shook his head a bit, and he said, you know, man, mostly I just want to go home and see my kid. Now, I'll be honest with you, in that moment, I, I didn't say it, but what I thought was, Surely your kid is not as cool as Simon and Garfunkel. But 
I knew enough to keep my mouth shut. And I was embarrassed by how tone deaf I'd been to this conversation that they were really having together. I looked back at that suitcase, and it had just a minute ago been the ultimate symbol of success. But it suddenly carried a very different weight. Now this musician, this hand drummer, he knew the value of music as well as anyone I have ever met. He deeply understood music's ability to transform hearts and bring people together and make the world a better place. But still, he struggled to balance those values with the values of his family and his home life and community. My unfolding sense of true success, of a life well lived, is that it is, first of all, a journey and not a destination that we can arrive at. And that it is, second, an increasing embrace of one's values, even in the face of increasing complexity. This reminds me of a poem by Naomi Shahab Nye called Famous. She says, the boot is famous to the earth, more famous than the dress shoe, which is only famous to floors. I want to be famous, she says, in the way that a pulley is famous or a buttonhole, not because it ever did anything spectacular, but because it never forgot what it could do. Remembering what we can do, even when we are overwhelmed and weighed down by the list of all that must be done in our days, all that must be done in this world, remembering what we can do is the work of we, the future ancestors. Rabbi Tarfon spoke of this in his own tradition in the first century AD when he said, it is not your responsibility to finish the work of perfecting this world but you are not free to desist from it either. My hope for my days and for yours, dear ones, is that we can attend to the complexity of our times with our best selves. And as Adrian Marie Brown says, that we can root ourselves in communities doing our best to honor our ancestors and future generations to come. I hope we can set aside the stories we've been told or made up along the way about what success is supposed to look like. Set aside the stories we've been told about who we are or who we're supposed to be or what our gender is supposed to mean or what kind of work has value enough or whether systems of injustice are tolerable just because they are normal. Growing up at any age is about growing into our values, about adapting to difficult times with grace and courage and remembering what we can do amidst all that must be done. Now, when I think of redefining success, and when I think of our movement ancestors who lived deeply into the complexity of their own times, who faced the crises of their day, I sometimes remember this story about Unitar our Unitarian ancestor, William Ellery Channing. Channing was a preacher in Boston in the mid-1800s. He's remembered as one of the great founders of Unitarianism. He was a brilliant preacher and a powerful voice for justice and particularly for abolition in his own time. But we know that success is more about the journey than the destination. And that was even true for our friend Channing, because while he always agreed with the goals of the abolitionists, he wasn't always so vocal about it. You see, he agreed with the work of abolition, but he didn't love some of the personalities in the movement. Can you relate? 
He didn't love some of the politics of the organizations, and he particularly didn't like some of the messaging. He thought the speeches they made and the way they spoke about their work, it was just too passionate. It was too emotional, not rational enough. And it reminded him too much of the itinerant revivalists that were sweeping the country at the time. Now, you should know the only thing consistent in my adult life is my job as an itinerant revivalist, but that's okay. I don't take his comments personally. So one night at an anti-slavery forum, all night, Channing is going on and on criticizing the movement. And Samuel May, a more active abolitionist leader, has been listening until he can't take it anymore. And eventually he interrupts and he says, Dr. Channing, I am tired of your complaints. It is not our fault that those who might have conducted this great reform so much more prudently than we can have left us to manage as we may. It's not our fault that those who might have pleaded for the enslaved so much more wisely and so much more eloquently than we can have been silent. We are not to blame, sir, that you have not spoken. And now, well, now that inferior men have begun to speak and begun to act against what you acknowledge to be an awful system, well, it is not becoming of you to complain of us that we do it in an inferior style. This is what the kids would call a sick burn. <laughs> and it was so sick, in fact, that Channing was unable to answer the rebuke until eventually he said, Brother May, I have been silent too long. Now, I love that the story depicts the very moment Channing took up the work of a life that would resonate with his ancestors and with his future descendants, us. The moment he took up the work of attending to the crises of his time, not to finish it, but neither to desist from it. I love this story because I've so often been in Samuel May's place. So many times I've ended up fighting so-called allies who say they share my values, but they would rather critique the work from afar than get scuffed up in the fray of making real change themselves. And it's exhausting. And I love this story because I have also just as often been in Channing's place. Too many times I've blamed other people's failures for my own silence, my own inaction. Too many times I've clung to some abstract sense of perfection or moral purity rather than getting scuffed up in the fray of complexity myself. It's true that if you say you are neutral in situations of injustice, you have already taken sides with the powerful. And it is also true that if you have taken sides with love, but you've taken sides quietly, without words or action, you have in fact remained neutral. And it can feel easy to look back at history's great debates, slavery, pro-slavery, or abolition, look back with the clarity of hindsight that we have today. But we should remember that the 13th Amendment that eventually did outlaw slavery in this country left an exception for those found guilty of a crime. And then, suspiciously, our country began finding more people guilty of crimes than just about any other in the world. So that in 2022, the ACLU reports, forced labor in U.S. prisons generated $11 billion in goods, while paying out an average of 13 to 52 cents per hour. 
Now, as Unitarian Universalists, our denomination, our association of congregations have come together, and we have covenanted to abolish this prison system as we know it. We've covenanted to work together and replace it with something wholly new, because we know that if putting large numbers of people in cages made us safer, we would live in the safest country in the world, but we do not. And we know that if increased funding for police budgets made our country safer, we would live in the safest country in the world, but we don't. The work of abolition, though, continues to be complicated, but that doesn't mean we should be silent. The people doing the work continue to be complicated, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't find a way forward and work together to come to the table and imagine something new. I wonder if Channing had maybe missed that day in school. Maybe he missed that day when Mrs. Nelson explained that even when we have hundreds of questions about how to go about our days, our work together, and our days, they still add up to something. Our children will someday tell similar stories of us. I'm sure they will speak of the 2020s, a time when a pandemic arrived and turned everything upside down, a time when climate chaos arrived in our cities and neighborhoods with devastation, a time when we put our neighbors in cages by the millions. Surely they will speak of how premeditated wealth inequality made every crisis of our time more difficult to address but I hope they will have other stories to tell. Stories of communities and congregations like this one that came together even when the people were complicated and even when the path was unclear. I hope they will tell the stories of Black Lives Matter and Me Too and the Sunrise Movement, the people that mobilized thousands and changed the conversation and changed how the story ends. I hope they will tell of the communities that came together to do what we could do, even when we felt overwhelmed by all that must be done. Writer and atheist prophet Ta-Nehisi Coates spoke of this. In a letter to his son, he said, history is not solely in our hands, but still you are called to struggle, not because it assures you victory, but because it's what assures you an honorable and sane life. Now, there was a time that I thought success was traveling the world with some famous band. And, well, just between you and me, if Paul Simon called me up this afternoon, I'd be on the next plane out of here. But I know it's more complicated than that now. Now I think of success as those who stay at the table and stay in community even when it's hard. I think of it as the people who choose restorative justice or other alternatives to the prison system when harm has been done. I think of success as finding a way to support your family even when housing costs are too high and the minimum wage is too low. And I think of it as finding small ways to make this world better even when we have more questions about it than answers. Honorable struggle means taking up the work that is ours to do, not to finish it, but neither to desist from it. And so, beloveds, may we live deeply into the journey we will not regret. May we together aspire to the fame of the boots and the buttonhole, never forgetting what we can do. May we love each other deeply, building up the messy and holy and beautiful communities that make the world better and make this life worth celebrating. May it be so, and may we make it so together. Amen.
our closing song says, where you go, I will go, beloved. It goes like this. Where you go, I will go, beloved. Where you go, I will go. Can we try that? Where you go, I will go, beloved. Where you go, I will go. One more time. Where you go, I will go, beloved. Where you go, I will go. Next part. For your people are my people. Your people are mine. Your people are my people. Your divine, my divine. Let's try that. For your people are my people. Your people are mine. Your people are my people. Your divine, my divine. Where you go, where you go, I will go, beloved. Where you go, I. Would you please rise in body or spirit? Where you go, I will go, beloved.
Beloveds, may we come together to face the crises of our time, rooting ourselves in communities that honor our ancestors and all future generations to come. May we aspire to the fame of the boot and the buttonhole, remembering what is ours to do, even in the midst of all that must be done. Beloveds, may you go in peace and go in love and go and be blessed as you are each a blessing to others. Amen. Well done.